Hey there, C80s here. Thanks for checking out the podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, consider supporting us at www.patreon.com backslash roughdraftspod. For just a dollar a month, you can join your fellow listeners in our patron-only Discord channel and help keep the content coming. Or join our VIP club, where a dollar a show or eight bucks a month gets you first priority on all patron content, like our patron-only Q&As. And check us out on all of our social media, Twitter, at RoughDraftsPod, Facebook.com, backslash RoughDraftsPod, SoundCloud.com, backslash EsportsRoughDrafts, as well as on iTunes and YouTube by just searching for the Rough Drafts Podcast. Thanks for listening, and goodbye, Internet. Hello, Internet. This is Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar, and welcome to the semifinals edition of the 2017 Spring North American LCS Guess the Lions podcast. It's the semifinals. <laughs> we're there. It happened. That's a mouthful. Yeah, there were a lot of words in there at once. I'm not sure I reiterated them all in the right order, but hopefully you guys are following. The, the important thing is that it's the playoffs. We had the first round. It was really fun. Uh, we're now on to the semifinals. We have some interesting matchups to go over here, and I can't think of anyone I'd rather break them down with than my good friend and co-host, Walter C80's Fedchuk. Walter, how you doing, man? I mean, I would say the opening round was fun for two teams. <laughs> um, I think the other two, oh, I think one of them was just kind of happy to be there. Yeah. And uh, the other one, um, well, I guess maybe everybody needs to take a, a Percocet or something to just chill the hell out because man oh man the reaction to CLG imploding its FlyQuest was in, it, it was kind of insanely crazier than the spliced one but it only makes sense because CLG is a long tortured franchise that well we knew this was coming well, and let's get into that because you know you and I obviously we thought CLG was going to ultimately win but we decided five maps was a much safer bet. We nailed that one, feeling good about that. But CLG was up 2 nothing. It was their series to lose. We know how FlyQuest plays. You know, now they have to look at this, and especially the way that they lost Game 5, because they were ahead for 95% of that game. What is a fair response for CLG fans. Because I think it's easy to look at CLG fans and say, oh, you're overreacting. You shouldn't freak out so much after one series. You still did all these things over the regular season. But, like, this is now split three of this, where they've run it back, and they keep getting just a little bit worse every time. So what is the appropriate reaction to this? How should CLG fans see this series? The, the problem is you guys are just a year away from when you were in the finals of an international tournament against SKT. That's true. And, you know, took a game off of them and were, were, you know, perhaps one of the best teams in the world. And the problem is, is just ceilings. It's ceilings and floors. And, you know, statistics tell us everything comes back to the mean. Everything comes back to the median. Whatever that center point is, <laughs> is that everything is eventually going to come back there. And I know Marty brought this up. Uh, at our interview with him back in the early season or preseason, where he's like, yeah, but you can always move that mean, and that is correct. 
The problem is that the meme that they created after that spring split last year, when they got to MSI, they were, they were crushing it. Everybody had them going into the summer. These are the presumptive favorites. They didn't change a thing. They you know, degraded MSI. They went after SKT. It was all great. The problem is it set their mean so incredibly high that everyone's like, this is our expectation of this team. And this is a team that won back-to-back NA titles, You know, had a decent Worlds run, had a great MSI run. So, yeah, the expectation should be up there. The problem is, while the team, while their internal mean has, has come down, where, you know, probably where it's more expected, kind of a middle-of-the-pack North American team, they can contend if meta and a few things go right their way, the fan base has kept this unrealistic expectation. And let's not forget, you guys were once in the promotion tournament. Like, we're like That's two terrible. and a half years from you guys being in the promotion tournament. It's, it, it's different when I, as a TSM fan, go, I expect my team to be in every LCS final. I expect my team to be in these to you know get to the elimination round of the world championship. I expect my team to take games off of Korean teams. It's different because TSM has placed top two in every single LCS season in existence, and in probably every single major regional North American tournament they have played in the finals. My season two is a little bit fuzzy. I, obviously, there was this yeah, uh, the MLG. Uh, Charlotte or Raleigh incident where CLG and TSM didn't go and it was Curse and Dignitas had that weird ARAM thing. But <laughs> that expectation is in my head because that is what reality is. And to CLG fans, you guys are missing a chunk of your history where you weren't good, where you were struggling, where you were the sixth best team in North America. You were struggling to stay in the LCS. So the correct response from CLG fans needs to be Okay, we had a good run. Like, yeah, I agree. Maybe some players might need to be looked at. You might need to change up some things. Seems, you know, things seems to be getting a little stale. But this just outright outcry that cut the play, you know, cut every player's head off and burn them at the stake, and this entire team is garbage and trash. Like, you guys are forgetting. You just had a really, really good year and a half run that you should be proud of, and you're one of only three teams in North America to win an LCS title. Let's not forget that. Like, you guys need to calm it down a bit and and move into the off season and say, okay, realistically, where can we go with this? Well, and, and here's the thing: I, I can meet you halfway on that. That's fine. I, I do believe that you have to keep expectations realistic. Uh, I see a lot of people saying, oh, we need to replace this guy. We need to replace, you know, we got to replace right. Darshan. We have to replace Huhi. We have to replace Sixai. Okay, with who? And I I don't say that in terms of well. You know, you as a fan need to have an answer. You're not the general manager, but just understand that making a change is not inherently good. You do not inherently make your team better just because you put a different guy out there on the rift. Now, that's ideally how it should work. You ideally find this new talent that can come in and improve, and you foster that talent and help them grow into the, the team that you need them to be. But for the majority of the time, you're, you're going to need, you know, you're going to have players that, you know, during the summer, there's just not going to be that many free agents available who can step in right away and do right. that. So if you're CLG, do you want to risk not, you know, getting many points in the in the summer split? You know, not having that veteran roster, taking a youth on these young guys, and then, you know, if the, if the gamble doesn't pay off, you don't go to Worlds? Like, is that worth it compared to... Well, if the meta breaks the right way, we know these players can compete. We know they're mentally capable of it. But on the other hand, and this is where I, I do take a step back from where you are. That's fine. I don't think that you should settle for an average team. 
And right now, that's what they are. They're fifth and sixth place. That is the median team in the LCS. If you're, if I'm a CLG fan, I don't think that's acceptable. I don't think that's an acceptable answer after how good this team was, after the resources that CLG clearly has available to them. You know, CLG has made this statement, like, we're not importing Koreans. We're not going out there and getting this foreign talent. We're North American, baby. We got this. But if Do it we... doesn't work, like, yeah, well, and Hui has his own. But but he's considered natively North American for the purposes of the imports. He's not an import slot. So, like. I think he is. Are you sure? I'm pretty I don't sure remember. he's not. I'd have, to, I'd have to go check that. Almost positive he's not. But the moral of the story is, like, they've made a pretty big deal about not going out and getting Korean players. Well, guess what? We're now looking at this, and, you know, we see TSM is imported to Europeans. Cloud9 has their Korean in the one, top lane. One. Yorkson counts as North America. Sure. Get your facts straight. Sure. Okay. And, and Phoenix One obviously has two Koreans as well. So maybe, maybe you've got to re-examine this stuff. Maybe you have to look at your the way you're evaluating talent and say, this method is not getting us where we need to be. And I, I think that that's a fair criticism. I think that if you're, you know, you have to look at, at Darshan and say, like, look, I don't know whether you know what kind of player he's going to be going forward he certainly you know like you said his ceiling has been impressive at different points in his career his floor has been pretty low at certain points in his career but you can't make the the mental mistake that he did on that camille in game five that was the worst play of the season as far as i'm concerned that was terrible that was inexplicable inexcusable and that's a liability that i'm not sure clg can afford to take with them I, I, I don't know. Like, that's that's the one where I point to when, when people say, like, we got to get rid of this guy. Like, I get it. Because mentally, you need everyone to be capable of playing to their best. And Darshan couldn't do that. And in the biggest moment where all you have to do is nothing. All you have to do is just get your vision and get out when you're with the rest of your team. It's an inexcusable mistake. Completely self-enforced error. And I don't know, man, like that, that's something where if I'm a CLG fan, I understand the, the anger and frustration there. I think it has to be directed. I think it has to be focused towards improving the methods that got you here. But my, my problem is that everyone is going to focus on this one moment that Darshan, you know, throws game five and he makes his play. It's a boneheaded play. It literally cost them the series. Like, there's no doubt they win that series. Their lead was so high at that point. It's almost impossible for them to lose that series nothing, if he nothing doesn't is guaranteed. Die. Sure. Nothing is guaranteed except death and taxes. Let's be honest here. Yes, okay. it's an egregious play. I, I'm not taking away from the fact that it is egregious play and it had a massive impact on the series. But they aren't even in that position in the first place if it isn't for mistakes made in games three and four and refusing to adapt to what FlyQuest was suddenly doing to them. Games one and two were pretty much the Hui show. Was was Hui strongly caring? I know everyone's going to go off, oh, yeah, but Darshan played this great Mundo. It was a nice pick, but that game was really about Sticks A and Hui. Yes. And the problem is they get to game three and FlyQuest just hone in and say, the crux of everything is going through this mid lane. Screw it. Screw the side lanes. We're going to get balls. Just keep them on the rumble. All we need him to do is all, like, screw whatever Darshan does. It doesn't matter. We're going to focus in on, on Huey. And they do that two games in a row. And CLG doesn't adapt in any of those games. After game three, they should have adapted and said, all right, FlyQuest is camping mid. 
we need to fix this. We need to do this, something about this. We need to get contracts off of those kind of champions. And then finally yeah, in game you five... You mean All right. No, no, no. They need to get Moon oh, off of... Yeah, okay. Yeah, Moon. Sorry. They need to get Moon off of these really heavy gank kind of champions. And in game five, they finally say, all right, let's get something super, super safe for, for Hui, which is Echo. Not... I'm not liking the Echo pick. I'm, I'm really not liking it in Talon. I don't understand it, really. In all honesty, if this was Keen, this would have been uh, Iceborne Gauntlet Cassidy game. You can almost guarantee it would have been an Iceborne, Ca- Iceborne Gauntlet Cassidy game. But they shouldn't have been in that position where Darshan makes this one mistake and it entirely ruins the game. It's just, this is the problem with CLG. They have these great highs when all their players are on point, or even when two of their players, two of their main kind of carries, so like X Smithy, Darshan, uh, any of them. If two players are playing up to their potential, like they are, could be an unstoppable team. But if you know these players all fall off, and X Smithy had just a mediocre series, I don't think Alphabu did anything that was exceptional that entire series. So it relied on Darshan and Hui and Sixe to all have amazing games in here. And the second Hui got camped, and the second Darshan stopped playing well, which again, another person you put on Camille that's notoriously a split pusher, a champion and a player, and you don't freaking split push? I, I don't understand it. Like, Darshan, that was his M.O. He's the psoas of North America when it comes to that. And you're team fighting with Camille, who is the grand, who's like a duelist. Not the grand duelist, but a duelist. Again, was it you needed like do you need to play Fiora with a baguette? Is that I just didn't understand what CLG was doing with the pick in terms of playing to the strengths of their players. So I don't think it was just Darshad making a mistake. I don't think that's what cost them that series. I think there was a multitude of decisions and players underperforming in games three and four that then led them to have to play in game five, and then obviously you know, everybody remembers the ball going through Bill Buckner's legs. Everyone remembers Steve Bartman, you know, knocking the ball off the line drive. But those teams aren't in that position unless they do their job, you know, two plays earlier or a game earlier, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it's unfair to pin the entire series down on that one misplay by Darshan. I mean, I, I mean, on the one hand, I, I think that's fair. I, I think certainly there were other problems. On the other hand, I, I have a very low tolerance for people that all they had to do was nothing. Like, there's no... I have watched that clip ten times, and I still, for the life of me, cannot understand what decision led to that. And I, I think that at some point, like, you have to look at it and say, like, was that the call? Because if that was what was in comms, that's the part that needs to be fixed. Whoever decided that engage was a good idea, that's the ultimate problem. If it wasn't in comms, then why is he not following whatever the call is? That's its own problem as well. So I, obviously, I, I think there are things that we don't know. And maybe I'm being unfair to Darshan. I, I'm willing to accept that that's a possibility. I personally, as someone who loved him back in the Zion Spartan days... I've just had a very hard time looking at the way that he's been playing recently and saying, yep, that's an LCS caliber top laner. Especially when you see a guy like Licorice, who I think would have been uh, given a lot more, I think, uh, in basically across the board. Uh, I just really like... I mean, And look, CLG, they're going to have to make that adjustment. They're going to have to go through and evaluate the talent and evaluate their options. If they choose to run it back, I'm not going to necessarily blame them, but if they run it back in the summer and they don't make it to Worlds, I don't think that's going to be a, an acceptable response moving forward. I think they're going to have to make some changes 
And uh, it really comes down to how they're going to decide what they're going to prioritize. But let's, uh, real quick, Walter, 60 seconds. Uh, thoughts on Dignitas? Can I get 76 seconds? <laughs> sure. 76 seconds. 76ers? Uh, no, I, I really don't have anything to say about them. Um, they shouldn't have been here. That, 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 not, not they shouldn't have been here. I have them to win the whole thing. But based off of how the beginning of the season go, I think they were just the, uh, we're happy to kind of be here. We're happy to get some experience. Um, I think this team could be dangerous if they mesh a little bit more and maybe get a little bit more consistent across the board, maybe a bit more consistent at support. Mm-hmm. But uh, overall, they shouldn't have been here based on the first half of the split. Yep, they made a run. And let's not forget, last summer, Phoenix 1 made a run towards the end of the split. They didn't get into the playoffs, but now look at Phoenix 1 this split. So, yeah. just saying, looking I, I, forward to next split, Dignitas. I think there were a couple of changes that Phoenix 1 made that may have more to do with it than their late season run. No, oh, my eyes are on Dignitas. You're wrong. I don't care. No, look, I... Uh, Team. As long as someday is on that team, Dignitas is going to be relevant. And and someday certainly, I I don't think he was the problem in that series. I would say I, get rid of Chaser and sign Lyra. There you go. Easy. <sighs> yeah, all you have to do is convince uh, is convince Envious to get rid of their best player by far. Yeah, simple, easy. Like I mean, Dignitas. You know, I think that he improved as the split went on. I think keeping this together for an entire for another split is is a very good decision. I don't have the same qualms about CL, you know, that I do about CLG because CLG has been doing this for longer. Whereas Dignitas, this is their first split together. I, I think there's improvement to be had there, and I think that they'll eventually figure it out. But we're going to move on to teams that are actually playing this week, Walter. We we went two and zero last week in our split bets. I already mentioned the CLG FlyQuest bet. We also had Phoenix one uh, at minus one and a half, uh, plus one twenty over Dignitas. That means we made two hundred ninety five dollars last week. Enjoy the free unicorns, people at home. Uh, overall, it was a expert right here. We are in the green. The European expert up there is not. I I resent this line of thinking. I just want to be on the record. I, you also represent it, just so you know. I sure. That's how we're going to play this. That's how we're going to play it. Let's keep going. Let's talk about some games, Walter. Cloud9 versus Phoenix1. Where do you stand on Phoenix1 after this series? Because it feels like that was the forget week nine, we're still a great team game, right? It, it was, but it was also against some some lesser competition. They did play against Cloud9 and, and TSM in week nine. So... Sure. They also started Shady... Uh, I mean, yeah, I, that, that's the thing. Like, they did start shady. Um, I, I don't think this was anything exceptional from Phoenix 1. I thought it was a very good series. If anything, it really made Inori look pretty good to me. Um, it made Ryu look like the third best mid laner in North America. Arrow's still great. But I don't think I actually learned anything from Phoenix 1. I, I think they just played like they had the entire split. I, I hate to be so succinct, but that was... I didn't learn anything from this series. It was, yeah, this is Phoenix 1. They're a pretty good team. I can't wait to see them play against one of the top two teams in North America. So you're pulling a Dennis Green and saying they are who we thought they were. They are who we thought they were. Exactly. <laughs> Dignitas was who we thought they were. I Did we honestly expect Dignitas to come out here and put up a huge, huge fight? I don't think so. I mean, I, I don't know. I thought maybe it would be a 3-1. I, I think I like the fact that uh, games two and three in particular were very decisive. Uh, game one was obviously much more back and forth. 
uh, that would maybe be the game you'd point to and say, like, oh, they still didn't necessarily keep their uh, objective control clean, especially the two barons that they gave up. Uh, yeah. Not particularly sure. ideal. They spent a lot of that game from behind in gold. But you know what? Game th- three were about as decisive as you could hope for. Um, I-, I think that you look at particularly... I, what I loved was that Ryu was the primary carrying in the series, not Eros, which I think is huge because it means that they have some versatility in terms of how they want to attack Cloud9. Do you want to try to beat Jensen and, and try to you know outroam him and get that map pressure from Ryu? Because you might not be able to beat him in lane, but you're probably going to be able to get away with a couple roams here and there. Or do you want to let Arrow carry against Sneaky? Do you want to put him into advantageous matchups? See, I disagree. I don't think it's about either of them. I think it's about the jungler. I think this series is absolutely about the two junglers. Because across the board, like, Impact slash Ray are probably going to have a slight advantage over Zig. But Zig... Zig laning-wise. But Zig is... No, I was going to say, I was underestimating. Yeah, but that's... Yeah, yeah no, 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 no. They're, they're, they're going to have an advantage over Zig in laning phase. Zig is not the strongest of laners unless he gets some help and gets an advantage, which I don't think Phoenix One really wants to do. And that's not Zig's fault. It's not that he's a bad player. It's just Phoenix One understands, like, a top laner can be useful without having a ton of gold or a ton of kills or a ton of farm. You could play Shen and all it takes is one really good, you know, ultimate to mid laner bot lane and you get a tower, you get a dragon and all of a sudden you're in the driver's seat for the first 20 minutes of the game. Yeah. And Zig is pretty exceptional at his teleports as when he goes to roam into mid lane for ganks. He's good at that. He's not great at laning phase. I get it. He's going against Impact. That's probably one of the best laners in North America in terms of top lane. I get it. But moving on from there, I think Ryu versus Jensen is a wash. And I think the two bot lane matchups are pretty much a wash when it comes to terms of, of talent, experience, play together. Sure, maybe give Smoothie a little bit of an advantage over Stunt in terms of roaming and going and making plays out on the map. But Arrow and Stunt are really good together in lane and Arrow really adapts well to his support player. Right. He understands what his support is good at, and he accentuates it, which seems kind of weird, seeing how it should be the other way around. But it's Arrow, it's my MVP, whatever. Right. So to me, this really comes down to the battle in the jungle. It comes down to Contracts, who has definitely had a really good start to the season and really kind of tempered off. And Inori, who's kind of been up and down and sideways and went across the border and came back across the border and got a teammate kicked and all these, you know, kind of little crazy Inori things. But when he is good, he's really good. He can contest up there with the Dardocks and the Acadians and the Moons of these young, talented North American junglers. Right. It's just when he's bad, he could be very bad. So this is going to be a battle of kind of a high variance versus very consistent low variance in contracts where contracts hasn't had any games where they exceptionally stand out and you're like, bam, contracts is a god of jugglers. But he has a lot of really consistent performances across the board. But Inori, when you look at this series against Dignitas, he played like three different styles of jugglers. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of weird that people are going back to the Kha'Zix because those super carry heavy need to get a lot of kills, need to build a lot of just upfront damage. Junglers are kind of out of the meta. Even Rengars are building kind of more tanky. So it was a little weird to see him go to that in game three. Um, I think they were just trying stuff. I think he was just trying to get his legs back under him on that champion in case he gets banned out in another series. Mm-hmm. But that being said, the the, the Ivory was really, really good, even though they had some kind of closing issues and mid-game issues and that. 
And the Grizz was really good. So he's showing kind of this depth across this champion pool that is really kind of when you point to Medios is why I would want Medios over Inori. He's got this depth of this kind of control style jungle. And Inori in those first two games showed, hey, I know Medios is on the team, but I can play that kind of control map oriented objective style as well. Right. Uh, so that was really good to see. Contracts, I feel, is just kind of... He's the fifth man on this team. It's, all right, we need you to do all the dirty little work that everyone doesn't else doesn't want to do. He feels kind of like a Deshaun Stevenson where it's like, all right, well, we need someone to go and just pester LeBron. So off you go, contracts. Go, you know, poke at LeBron and try and get him a couple fouls early. Um, but that being said, I think Cloud9 is are slightly better team fighters. Yes. Well, I mean, and that's been Cloud9's thing for a while, right? It's that... You know, their laning is, you know, the strongest in the league, 51.2% lane efficiency. Uh, Their early game has not been ideal. That's where they've struggled. But if they can survive that, they get all the resources they need uh, from their lane. They're able to turn those into, you know, solid map pressure, forcing the enemy team to fight them around these objectives. And when you have to fight Cloud9 against in in a choke point, you have a huge problem. That does not end well for you 90% of the time. Right. Now, I, I, I do want to say, you know, we're talking about Inori as if he's guaranteed to be the starter in this series. I think that a lot of what's going to make Phoenix 1 interesting this series is going to be how they switch back and forth between the two. Because I, I think that there's a different pace to their play when Phoenix 1 plays with Inori versus Medios. Uh, Inori is much more going for those outplay potential. He can hard carry in the, you know, when he's hitting his ceiling and everything else. He, he goes for, he's more willing to go for those early plays. Whereas Medios is, is more of a, a cerebral guy. He likes to play the map and, and rely on, on vision and kind of you know, make these rotation plays. Uh, and I think that that's going to be something where, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see Phoenix 1 switching back and forth between the two to try to keep Cloud9 on edge and keep them from ever feeling too comfortable. But for you've already said, Walter, you think that it's going to be, you know, that the jungle is going to be important for this. But if Cloud9 was going to find another way to win, what's the what's the place that you point to? I already, I mean, I already talked about it earlier. I will say one point about Medios. Uh, Medios has been streaming most of the days. Oh, this week. So it doesn't look like he's really been scrimming much with P1 unless he's been doing like their evening block. Um, but that's neither here nor there. When you're talking about Cloud9's pack to victory, other than like through the jungle, it, it's impact array in the top lane. It's just build enough of an advantage over Zig that even the you know. The team fighting doesn't matter. You can set up a split pusher or you just have a more effective tank. Um, we saw Mundo once already from CLG. Should be known that CLG and Cloud9 are good scrim partners. That's Wouldn't true. be surprised to see the Mundo from Impact. Not gonna lie, I'm not... Well, I'm, I'm split on it because there's a side of me that really wants to see Lulu, Mundo, Mega Tank compositions again. <laughs> and there's another part of me that wants people to go, okay, I'm going to play Mundo. And someone go, I'm going to play Shivana and Renekton <laughs> and Trundle. And welcome back to Season 4 Top Lane Meta! Yay! Yay! Everybody misses that, right? It's a circle. It's a circle. Yeah. Everything's a circle, folks. It all comes back. Just like Nocturne is eventually going to be played again in meta with Shen Top or TF mid lane or Karthus mid lane. I'm calling it. Reggie's coming back, baby. 
Um, but yeah, it's it's just completely going to be the top lane because Impact and even Ray are just much better laners than Zig. And if they can build enough an advantage and get some kills and really take advantage of that top side of the map, and you know, when you have a top laner that can do that, it doesn't matter if you lose an early tower. You just put him out there. It doesn't matter if you take an early tower. You can put him out there and give him the long lanes and say, you know, all right, Impact, be free. Go side wave control and. If anything, Impact is exceptional at controlling the side lane waves, and yes. I think Cloud9 is as a whole. They're really good at controlling them and setting them up so that they have these slow pushes and capitalizing when they build up these waves. They, you know, will send Impact in this large wave into the bottom to try and take a bot inner, and they're gonna, you know, poke you around the Baron. When there's Dragon Timer, it looks like a minute. You'll see Impact to, the, you know, shift to the top lane to build this big wave so that they can make a decision. Oh, it's a Cloud Drake. We're gonna threaten it, but we're gonna let you take it while we get, you know, pressure on top lane and chip that down to half health or whatever. So uh, that's really where I think they can take the advantage is if they turn this, you know, they can pull it away from a team fighting game, even though Cloud9 is so good at it, and pull it into this, you know, sort of macro decision-making strategy game because Inori, Zig, and Stunt are still young players. Yes. They are still, you know, when you're trying to force someone to make snap decisions, sure, Ryu and Arrow are really veteran players. They've been around for a long time, but... We know Ryu's, you know, English is pretty good. Arrow's English is pretty good. But still, there's that, is that slight language barrier that making these split-second decisions of where to go, there might be a slight hiccup in what happens. And we've seen in the past, we saw with Misfits uh, in Week 10 against Fnatic, you know, you get your top laner and he's stuck in between. He doesn't know which way to go. We saw it from Zig in Week 9 against Cloud9 and against TSM, where he was sort of caught in between, well, do I go with my team to help contest Baron, or do I stop split push? Uh, I don't really know what to do. And with Cloud9, I think most of the time you're going to want to go to the split push and stop impact, because Cloud9, they kind of get spooked off of Baron very quickly. Um, But if you were against TSM, I'd say it's the opposite. TSM would rather have the Baron and will give up the top lane, you know, give up that split push so i think it's just really going to come down to cloud nine kind of pulling the map apart and making phoenix one make these kind of quick hitting decisions and punish them for it yeah and that's historically what cloud nine has been right they've always been that value trade team they have a like you know like you said their ability to control these waves is super impressive that's why their line efficiency is so high i i think that they can put phoenix one into some awkward situations in terms of having to make some decisions that uh, maybe they don't want to make, and whenever you can force your opponent to make tough decisions, you're doing something right as far as the map goes. I will say, it is worth noting that someday, as good as he was at controlling the lane, and I do think he bullied Zig for most of that series, Dignitas wasn't able to convert that into anything. So I think it's going to be... Cloud it's going to take a little a bit more team. than that. Well, yeah, they're going to have... But... a better team than Dignitas. Boo-hoo. Yeah, I know. I, I... get it, I'm just saying, it is, it's going to be about turning those little advantages in lane into something more, and Cloud9 does know how to do that. So, Walter, at the end of the day, where do you think the line is? Uh, yeah, Bjergsen was the first team uh, all-pro mid laner, so y'all can suck it. And uh, I have Cloud9 at minus 175. Oh, how dare you? How dare, how dare you? I? How dare you get that exactly? Exactly! Hey, Hey, remember what I said earlier about being an NA expert and Europe is where we're negative? Look at this guy! Uh, Right here! There it is. Ah. It is Cloud9 minus 175. I said Cloud9 minus 160, so I wasn't that far off. Um, But you nailed it. Uh, Phoenix 1 plus 135. Cloud9 minus 1.5 maps at plus 125. And over 4.5 maps is plus 170. 
So there are a few different ways we can go, depending on how you think the series is going to play out. I, ultimately, like if you had to, you know, had to give a prediction. What do you think this this series ends up being at the end of the day? I I think it's a fighting series, and I think um here's the thing: if Phoenix One brings in Medios, how early do they do it? That's what kind of is the deciding thing to me. If Inori really looks bad in Game One, if they don't switch immediately to Medios in Game Two, this is probably a three-one in, in Cloud Nine's favor. I could see that. But if they if they see Inori is struggling or Inori pops off, then I see this probably a five game series in Phoenix One's favor. Um, yeah, over that, that seems that's the thing is like if it's Inori's emotions because out of all the young jugglers, Inori is the one that has the hardest time shrugging off a bad game or shrugging yes. off bad moments. And we've said this before on the podcast. Dardock is really good at that. Like, as much as it looks like that kid wears his heart on his sleeves, he has a bad first game, he'll shrug that off, and he'll come right back in the second game. Right. Or if he gets caught out for first blood, five minutes later, he's making some out-of-your-mind aggressive invade that gets him a double kill. Like, he is the Eli Manning of just, like, I don't care. Or Jamal Crawford of, like, I don't care how many crappy shots I've taken. Like, I'm going to nail this next one. Irrational <laughs> confidence. And Inori is more of a, like, confidence is sometimes irrational. Where mm. he's just like, no, I'm gonna keep trying, I'm gonna keep trying to keep, you know. But it's a like he's he's getting more desperate with each one of his actions. So it's like he feels he has to make up for the previous bad game. Yes. Like it's like okay, well, game one I cost my team because I made a couple of mistakes. So this time I've really got to make up for it and prove that I belong yeah. here. And exactly. I think that's a very it's very easy for young players to fall into that trap. I can think of a player off the top of my head that I coached that was very much in that trap, and it is a death sense. Because as soon as you're trying to make up for things that have already happened, like you can't change the past. You you have to be able to move forward. And I think that, you know, the nice thing about it is having a guy like Medios means that you can take him aside if things really get bad and say, hey, calm down. It's okay. We're going to be able to bounce back from this. Trust in your teammates right now. And, and, and I think that alone might be enough. Uh, it's going to be very fun to see how those play off each just, other. Just remind Medios his teammates are wearing black and orange, <laughs> not blue and white. Yeah, that'd probably be That's the only thing you have to tell him. It's like, yeah, look at your jersey. These these are the guys. Don't pass the ball to people that – it's like when you played shirt and skins mm -hmm. because like or, – or you told everyone, hey, we're going to play pickup basketball. Bring white and dark colors and then whatever team you're on, you're going to you know trade jerseys so you don't – because if you don't do that, then you forget who's on your team and every once in a while you pass somebody that's not on your team – and then everyone looks at you and goes, what were you doing? And I was like, well, he was on my team two games ago, and I got confused. And yeah. I'm sorry he just dunked on your face. That's yeah. my bad. I, I think the best thing you could do, just hide the names from him. And it'll make things <laughs> a lot easier. Shut them off. Just, just turn off. that off. Yeah, it'll be great. Uh, let's move on. FlyQuest versus Team Solo Mid. Speaking of Medios' teammates. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know you're going to want to have a big rant about TSM, but let's get FlyQuest on real quick. Rant about TSM? Me? Why did I write about TSM? I, I don't know, man. I just get this Wait, weird sense. Who was the number one seed in North America? Producer? Yeah. Nick? I, I'm pretty sure it was TSM. <laughs> yes. Oh, I can yeah. confirm the regular season winner was, in fact, TSM. Should I be worried about TSM? No. no. Why shouldn't I be worried? Oh, they've made every LCS final since season three, and they've made pretty much every... Oh, I got you. Yeah. Okay. 
I can't confirm TSM did finish first in the regular season, and they've made every single LCS final since the inception of the LCS, and like 90% of all North American regional finals in history. So yeah, thanks. I'm Nick. not worried about TSM. Yeah, appreciate it. Uh, he says you won't. Yeah, he's a good uh, good dude there. Um, if he does exist. No, I mean, let's let's just get FlyQuest out of the way first, because I, I think you're right. I think ultimately TSM does TSM things, but FlyQuest fans are going to want to know, like, what can they sink their hopes into? Is there, you know, what can they, you know, try to, to get out of this series, even if it's not beating TSM, like... <laughs> What's the Loki meme? You must have been truly desperate to come to me. <laughs> You're coming to me for hope, FlyQuest fans? Me? <laughs> of all people! Every, You're coming to me! You could have gone and talked to literally anyone else. You could have talked to Chase's grandmother and she would have given you better advice for how, like, what you're going to get out of this series. That's true. She's very sweet. She's a very nice old woman. She probably would bake you guys cookies and be like, no matter what happens, you have some of grandma's cookies. Yes. I'm a TSM fan. You're going to have nothing but misery and woe when <laughs> it smacks that kind of cocky little smile off of High's face. Uh, no. Sorry. Sorry. TSM fan Walter will sit down. Analyst Walter will come back. Um, you guys won a war against CLG. Sure. You guys won a hell of a series, which, yeah, sure, the Darshan play helps. But that didn't – you didn't kill a Nexus immediately off of that play. You guys had to fight back into it. That gave you an opening. Um, you have – the greatest shot caller in Western League of Legends history. And hi, hi, do lamb. Congratulations. You have a team that just has some some grit to them. Some, uh, you know, they never give up despite the odds, despite the facts, um, you know, despite the fact that their players are probably not the most talented players on the planet anymore, despite the fact that there are some pretty obvious weaknesses among all of them as players. Mm -hmm. um, you are playing in kind of a roaming assassin mid lane meta that is where High is at his best. I don't care how many Orianna games he plays. Get him on Talon, get him on Zed, get him on the Blunt, get him on Kassadin. That is his bread and butter when he can move around the map. Mm -hmm. I'm still waiting for him to play Suicide Karthus because I think it would match him perfectly. Piglet played it. High, please play Suicide Karthus. Become Reginald Jr. Just do it. Um, that being said, you have a little bit more aggressive jungler in Moon. You have someone who's willing to make some more plays. You guys do have some more unconventional picks. Um, the Evelyn, no one is going to ban Evelyn. Even against you guys, we know you play it. You're just not going to ban it. You always have that pocket pick. I'm sure you have something else spicy. And you're not a new team. You know, this is not a bunch of new guys that have never played against, you know, eight-time LCS finalists, Team Solo Mid. Like, it's high. It's balls. It's lemon. They've gone to war against TSM in the past. Even Moon's played in the playoffs before. Like, he had one series in the playoffs. This is nothing new to them. I think they even played against TSM, if I remember correctly. Sounds right. This, this is nothing new to these guys. And, and that's where your hope is going to be, is like, yeah, we're a new organization. Sure, maybe the rumors that we don't have a support staff or whatever are true, unfounded, whatever. Maybe they're a little worrying. Maybe the fact that you guys are so reliant on high and moon, not freaking high moon. The next LCS caster that says it, I swear I'm going to pop a cap in there. Oh, man, I love it. I love yeah. it so much. I hate it. I hate it. This is, it's such a blatantly forced narrative from a company that, let's not forget, 
once tried to ban all their professionals from playing any other competitors' games on their streams. Yeah. I know I'm stuck on the fact, but I'm getting this stupid catchphrase ramped down my throat, <laughs> and I hate it. I'd rather hear freaks say tons of damage after every freaking team fight. I get it. You're funny. Congratulations. You're the first person on the freaking planet to ever put high and mood together in the same word. Congratulations. Here's your freaking cookie. You get your one spot at MSI. I hate it. Stop it. It's it's not cute anymore. It was was funny after one. I'm sure FlyQuest will make a shirt. It'll be awesome. Whatever. Get your marketing out of it. Stop saying that on the LCS broadcast. It has literally reached Kerp trackball level of annoying. Oh, At man. Least to me, I'm sure you've, you know, FlyQuest fan boys and girls all love it and it makes you happy. And I could say a bunch of very graphic things that I can't say on a sponsored podcast about it. <laughs> I'm, I'm sick of it. Stop saying it. So, High and Moon are a great duo roaming combination. They can get their side lanes ahead despite their talent and, uh, you know, ineffectiveness. Uh, so at the end of the day, if you guys could pull TSM down into the mud and make this a really gritty, you know, slobber knocker of a battle and turn it into a war and not something super strategic, yeah, that is how less talented teams win. That's how the Mighty Ducks win. And then they pull out their secret strategy of the Flying V, which isn't actually legal in hockey, but Disney. So. Yeah. Have a Disney movie fly quest. That's basically what I'm telling you. And I personally hope it's Rogue One. I, well, first of all, uh, that is just such genuine rage. I think that that was just wonderful. And I'm now going to have to use High Moon about ten times more often than I do normally. So thank you for that. I also think that you're definitely forgetting how much Kerb's trackball was mentioned during the EU broadcast. I, did I you think not that... watch the else? Did you not watch that series against CLG? We got like six hours and every other phrase out of their mouth was freaking high moon. <laughs> look, their name is literally, when you just look at the tag, it's fly high and fly balls. Yep. So we're already yep. there. There's no way to go that doesn't lead to puns. But to get to the overall point, I agree that, you know, moon and high are going to be the, the center for this. I just... To throw some numbers out there, uh, in FlyQuest wins, High had a 4.63 KDA. In his losses, it was a 0.33 KDA. Now, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> oh my god, that's awful. Yeah. That's, and that's like, this is how like... Yeah, and you look at this and you say like, he was against who he in that series. Like... Like, it averaged out to a 2.4 KDA, and before FlyQuest fans come and say, like, oh, well, we're skewed by the losses. Like, okay, what was highest KDA in the regular season? Oh, right, it was 2.6. So, basically the same. This is who they are. When when High plays really well, it opens up the rest of the map for the team. But in the same way that putting down Seraph really hinders whatever Envious was going to do, if you can keep High down... They don't have a backup plan. You're not looking at FlyQuest and going, oh, well, it's okay. Balls is going to come through for us here. Or, oh, yeah, you know, that's fine that High hasn't really gotten going because we have Alltech here to carry the day. That's not how this team operates. It's never been how it operates. Stop stop telling jokes, okay? I can only take so much laughter in a day. I'm going to get smiles a lot. And this is why, at the end of the day, like, I have such a hard time talking myself into this upset because if that's what happens against Huhi... Well, now you're against playoff Bjergsen, and Hauntzer 
is going up against balls right here. And, I mean, take your moment. TSM fan, you get to have this wash over you, man. Everyone who who really hates this kind of rant, just mute your podcast. Just keep a video going because we appreciate the views. But go ahead, Walter. Go for it. Go all out. There's no rant. There's no rant. What what is a mouse to a lion? <laughs> There's no rant. What's the rant? They're eight-time LCS finalists. Eight time. There's not been a split that TSM has missed. And everyone's going, you're jinxing yourself, Walter. You're jinxing yourself. Yeah, I've got two of the best players in North America on my team today. Yeah. I've got Bjergsen and I have Haunters, two guys that everyone's going to be debating about, well, which one of them steals it from Arrow if we want to give it to a, you know, the first place team in a native North American? Because Bjergsen in this instant counts as a native North American, not in instances where I say double lift is the greatest talent North America ever produced, because that I'm saying born in North America, not North American player. Confusing. I know. Right. Moving on. That said, like, I... TSM had one bad loss over the entire split. It was to Echo Fox, and since then, they were undefeated. This is just what TSM does. They had the one bad loss. They bring Reginald in. Reginald has his speech. We already did this whole rant. We already did all my TSM rants for the year until we get to the finals, and I give them their final, you know, any given Sunday, you know, stump speech, where we go out, we kick Cloud9's butt, we, uh, we win in Vancouver. It's great. Wild Turtle gets, you know, a Canada win. That's fantastic. And uh, we go to MSI and we get our butts handed to us by SKT. This is just the, S- this is just the TSM norm. It is what it is. So first, It's an expectation we're in the finals. Do we, it's know, not for- do we know the conversion rate between Canadian wins and freedom wins? Do we, have we figured that out yet? I'm pretty sure Canada is a little <laughs> bit more free than the U.S. today. I, I know. I had to go for the meme. Look, I, it's... At the end of the day, like, this is why I, I think I'm more harsh towards CLG than you are, because TSM versus CLG would have been a really interesting series. Those teams know each other really well. Uh, they found a way, you know, CLG knows how to plan for them. Uh, they've shown interesting strategies in the past that have kind of neutralized some of the advantages that TSM usually has. Like, that would be a fun series. Whereas this series, I'm just like, the only way the FlyQuest succeeds is to be better than Bjergsen. And I just... I have a really hard time buying into that. I, I don't see the way in which that plays out the way the FlyQuest fans want it to. And I know the the argument's going to come in like, oh, well, you didn't think they were going to do very well against CLG either. And that's not quite fair, because we did say it was going to go to five games. I thought that series will be close. I, I, I don't know what makes this close. Like, I can't paint in my head... The scenario in which High does so well against Bjergsen and Lane that it opens up the map the way the FlyQuest likes to play. Maybe it's some weird picks. Maybe High pulls something out that I'm not expecting, and, he, and Bjergsen's like, I don't know how to play against this. And shenanigans come in. I think that Moon is obviously going to be the best player on FlyQuest. He's the most consistent. I thought you were about to say best player on the Rift, and I was about to explode. No, he, he's the best player on FlyQuest. He's, I think, the most consistent player. So that makes player. him, what, the fourth best player on the Rift? He tied for third with uh, with Biofrost, I think. Okay. I have him tied for third. That was but, a trick question. Yeah. there's it's, it's hard to... Again, I just... Like, you depend on high, FlyQuest. I don't have the answer for you. Walter, you need to have the answer to this question. Where do you think the line is? If you win this, our challenge is done. So, 
Go ahead and guess it correctly again. Just kill me off now. One second. I just have to tell the folks at home. Please. Uh, on TSM's listed roster, there are only two Native Americans. That's Kevin Yarnell and that's Andy Dinn. Everyone else is either... Uh, you got Bjergsen and Svenskaren from Denmark, Wild Turtle and the Oddwood from Canada, yeah. and Biofrost from China. So... I'm just saying we're also undefeated in Canada, so Cloud9, yeah. you're really screwed when we play against you guys, you know, in a week in Vancouver. Shout out uh, to Canada. Yeah, I love Canada. Canada's great. Absolutely. I need to go back there someday. That being said, uh, since there are four countries on that list, mm-hmm. I'm going to put it at TSM minus 333. Ah, uh, good. Okay, it's not over yet for me. I get this one. You went too low, buddy. You gave FlyQuest too much credit. I thought you were going to go lower. I had TSM minus 500. It is TSM minus 455, which puts FlyQuest at plus 300. So there are two ways we play this, Walter. Nope. 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 They're, nope. They're, what, how, what do you mean? There's one way we play this. What is the one way we play this? Oh, we gamble on FlyQuest to beat TSM because no matter what happens, then I win. Well, if we're going to do that, can we at least do FlyQuest plus one and a half maps? So we have a little bit of wiggle room. If you're going to insanely curse this team anyway, at least have it be a winnable bet. No. <sighs> no. That's not how this works. There's no way I'm telling the fans at home to get bets. That's not how I, plus I, I, I no, 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 no. This is the curtains closed. The Wizard of Oz is back behind it. All the holographics and the smoke and the mirrors and everything. No. I'm a, I'm a smart gambler. I hedge my freaking bets. I'm going all in on FlyQuest to win this series because no matter what happens, then I win. Okay. But let's pretend, for instance, that not everyone in the world is a TSM fan. I know, sounds crazy to you. But but if they're not a TSM fan and they don't want to jinx this series, what should they vote for? Where should they be putting their money? I, you're the one who has the lines. You tell me. I, well, I FlyQuest at plus one and a half. What's the odd on that? That's plus 130. I actually like TSM minus two and a half at plus 190. Because I have this going as a 3-0. Yeah. I, I think that I don't think the series is close. I don't I don't have the the answer to the question. So what happens when High can't beat Bjergsen? Like Flyquist hasn't shown an answer to that in weeks. The boldness intrigues me, a grasshopper. Perhaps you are a closeted TSM fan. I look. It doesn't make me happy to say it, man. If this was CLG, I'd be singing a very different tune. But Flyquest's strength relies on being better than the best player in North America. I don't know how that's a positive sign. Remember the last time that High played Bjergsen in a playoff match? It didn't go well for High. That ending did not go well. Okay. That's true. Yeah. Um, um, I, can we have this? Let's start here. Can we agree Cloud9 and Phoenix 1 go to 5 maps at plus 170? Oh, yeah. I'd, I'd also take the Cloud... Oh, yeah. I'd, I'd take that. 5 maps. Okay. I also, I'm just going to throw this out there. We don't do this as an official bet ever, but uh, Phoenix 1 first blood on map 1 is minus 105. Phoenix 1 got substantially more first bloods than Cloud9. Cloud9 is very passive in the early game as a whole. So They're starting a Nori. That's a smart bet. I think that it's worth considering. But uh, but we don't we don't throw those out as smart money bets. So That's a little hinky. Just so, too hinky. Too, too unpredictable for first blood. So, do we want to do it, Walter? Are we going to do you versus me? You're going to take FlyQuest plus one and a half at plus 130. Uh, and I'll take 
TSM minus two and a half at plus one. No, 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 we're not. We're not. There's no way TSM three owes this because TSM did lose. Wait, TSM doesn't sweep series. They swept one series the entire year, I think. That's true. They don't sweep series. This is going to be a three-one. Guarantee it's a three-one, and there's going to be one game where High just has some incredible shot calling, and it's going to be him and Moon going off, and I'm going to have to hear High Moon thirty thousand freaking times, and they're going to go into game four or whatever and be like, "Oh, is this is this going to be a reverse sweep?" And then Spencer is going to play Rengar, and Bjergsen's going to play Oriana, and they're just going to camp the hell out of High, and then we're going to go, "Oh yeah, this is the best team in North America, and one of the best teams that North America has ever produced," and it's over. See, the problem with that then is that the TSM minus uh, one and a half line is only minus 169. Yeah, you're fools for thinking that FlyQuest is going to win two games against Team Solo Mid. You're nuts. Okay. So, so is that the... So here's what I think we should do. I think the smart money bet is objectively TSM minus one and a half at that minus 169 uh, mark. I think that is the bet that we are going to tell the people at home to do. But I am going to bet personally TSM minus two and a half. And I know you're going to bet personally FlyQuest either plus one and a half or FlyQuest just a straight up win. Which are you going to bet? Or are you not going to tell the people at home because... I can't tell you that. Okay. Well, I'm just letting you know that now. These are the these are the bets that Walter and I individually find value in. Walter, for emotional reasons, me because I just have crunched the numbers over and over, and I'm not. I don't know, man. A smart gambler never gambles on his favorite team. LCS predict has TSM winning this series 81% of the time. I don't really know what to say than that. But you know what? Steve Kapmeyer doesn't lead us wrong. Yeah, he he really is a, he's a great dude. And it's uh, it's been great working with that formula and everything. It's been great recording this podcast with you, Walter. I think that somehow I ended up being even higher on TSM than you at the end of this, which is kind of I, I, absurd. I thought you were going to go low. I thought you were going to be on the fly. I, I thought you were going to be a little higher on FlyQuest than you ended up being. It's a little surprising to me. I, I really am not high on FlyQuest. But that's fine, because High can be high on FlyQuest. He's already high on FlyQuest by definition. So if you go, you guys should follow the podcast for more fun puns like that, at Rough Drafts Pod for the podcast. Uh, you can follow me, at Redshirt King, if you want to say anything about anything I've said on this show. Love responding back to you guys. I also read all the YouTube comments. Try to reply to as many of you guys as possible, so I, I please do correspond there. And of course, Walter, where can the nice people at home find you? Yes, if you want to see the dual execution of Chase and my brother, you can tune in at C80s underscore LOL because I will be executing them both. Executing. Okay. Well, uh, go ask a red buff there how that went X. for double lift, and you can decide from there how that how you want to play. Hey! So that's, that's it for this show. Tune in next week where we will either have a very fun, happy Walter or an absolutely just beside himself Walter. And of course, uh, EULCS uh, as well. So stay tuned, guys. And until next time, goodbye, Internet. Hey there, C80s here. Thanks for checking out the podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, consider supporting us at www.patreon.com backslash pod. For just a dollar a month, you can join your fellow listeners in our patron-only Discord channel and help keep the content coming, or join our VIP club, where a dollar a show, or eight bucks a month, 
gets you first priority on all patron content like our patron-only Q&As. And check us out on all of our social media, Twitter, at RoughDraftsPod, Facebook.com backslash RoughDraftsPod, SoundCloud.com backslash EsportsRoughDrafts, as well as on iTunes and YouTube by just searching for the Rough Drafts Podcast. Thanks for listening, and goodbye, Internet.